Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. Welcome to Village Church Q&A. I'm here with Pastor Michael. Hey Amanda. Dishing out all the easy questions <laughs> for you. Yep, so easy. Trying to draw on some wisdom in this crazy time. And this question is, how do I disagree with another Christian on politics? Oh, this is so heavy, um, especially because in the last video you touched on how politics equals religion. Yeah, for too many people. Yeah. And if we're not the same on the politics, are we in the same religion? Yeah. Um, but is it is it worth discussing? Yeah. You know, these serious issues, can we avoid them and pretend like we're united? Should we? Yeah. Should we even go there? Yep. It's interesting because if you're talking to a Christian on the far right, they feel like they're in a different faith altogether than the Christian on the far left. Like it's they like, actually, I know yeah. some people that believe they must not be saved. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Because of what they think. Yep. And, and that's how like catastrophic this chasm really is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for many people, they are, and I'm going to be honest, as I say this, I would say more times than not, when I engage Christians in political dialogue, they are far more passionate about politics than they are the gospel. Mm. And uh, that's hard to say, but this last year has really brought us to this point where honestly politics gone astray has made our lives so topsy-turvy. So um, I, I want to answer a question first, which would be, uh, why do we even dialogue about stuff like this? Yeah, it just, it seems like everybody's hurt at the end of it. No minds are changed. Right, that's what it feels like. So let's pull back from a moment. So part of the Christian heritage, to be a follower of Christ, is to be a learner, it's to be a deep thinker. Uh, Christians have brought forth some of the best ideas in human history and philosophy. Uh, really, part of being a follower of Christ is uh, when it comes to ideas, we dive into some of the most complex ideas and we think deeply about them. And so this is a long part of our Christian heritage. And so as a follower of Christ, I am open-minded when it comes to especially extra biblical ideas um, or political ideas. I, I want to think critically and deeply. And as a follower of Christ, um, I believe that everybody has something to teach me about this stuff. So if I'm dealing with somebody who is maybe on the other side of the aisle than I am as a, as a Christ follower, I am a learner. Yes. I am interested. I um, love that position of just like, help me learn yeah. what you're trying, what you believe, because yeah. then maybe, I mean, if we agree on the big issues totally. that I could understand you a little bit better. Yeah. You know, and so my, my assumption is for the next 70 years while I'm alive, <laughs> 110 years old. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, like I, I am going to consistently be growing and finessing my mind and harnessing my thoughts. I'm going to be responding to the cultural moments and dialogue with people. This is what Christians do. And it is sad when Christians cannot talk to each other about even heated things um, and have really productive conversations. So here's, here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to share two um, just realities about human nature, uh, things that I just think are really good to take into consideration, and then four principles for dialogue. Okay. All right, so two realities. Number one, people's views, they change in safe relationships and on their own terms. Like psychologically, if I want you to change your view, like let's say I have a political persuasion and I want yours to change, Yelling, arguing, condescending, one-upping you on arguments, statistically speaking, will almost never work. Right. That right? puts me into fight or flight, and that's what I'm going to do. Correct. And mm -hmm. and the best I'm going to get out of you is behavior modification or acquiescence to like kind of get the argument over with. That's right. not what I want. 
as a Christian, I don't want to just think deeply. I want you to think deeply because we are deep thinkers. That's what we do. So just recognizing if what I really want is change and growth in me and in you, we all change in safe relationships and on our own terms. If I am forced to change, it's not real change. Cancel culture puts people in a position where you're forced to change. And there are so many people out there spitting out beliefs that they actually don't believe, but they are required to say it or they lose social standing or their job. That's not what and we And it want. really, for everybody else, that's just like slap in the face, respond, slap yep. in their face, respond. Yeah. I mean, the turning it around and being like, hey, can I tell you what mm. I think about this? Can we talk about that? Right. And asking permission, can I step into this space with you? Amen. Is it safe or is it not safe? Right. So here's the here's the second kind of reality about human nature, just psychology one-on-one. <laughs> Arrogance makes people defensive. If I walk into a circumstance and I don't believe you have anything to teach me, anything to challenge me on, any question that you might ask that I might go, hmm, let me think about that, I'm going to be dismissive and I'm going to be hard to talk to. I'm going to create, uh, you said it earlier, I'm going to create a roadblock. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to be a roadblock. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to make you defensive. I want to have a dialogue that the end result of it is you and I are both better discerners and thinkers, uh, that we put ideas on the table and we are both able to process them better in a way that gives God more glory, that is more rooted in his word and in reason. Uh, one of the one of the themes I love of the Apostle Paul is he says regularly that the people of God are reasonable, level-headed, mm. clear-thinking, sober-minded. We approach this world with an open mind and discernment, and we think very clearly. But in order to do that, we really do need dialogue um, that sharpens us and helps us expose maybe what we're not thinking with clarity. And I think there's really a skill that has to be learned in doing all those things. That's not what comes easy to me anyways. You know, I think very few people. That's why we need this advice right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot to say. So mm-hmm. four just principles, four okay. encouragements for dialoguing with another Christian on politics. Number one, know what is political first and biblical second versus what is biblical first and political second. Let me give you two examples. Masks. Before it's a biblical issue, which the application of masks does become somewhat biblical. How do you... Um, submit to the government. It is first and foremost a political issue and a scientific issue. And the Bible doesn't talk about it anywhere at all, right? And so uh, there's a lot more freedom that Christians have to disagree on masks, um, how we quarantine, a whole bunch of things like this that relate. I'll give you a different issue, which is abortion. Now, abortion is political, but it's not political first. It is biblical first. Um, From the very beginning of the Bible, it deals with children. And you see even in Old Testament, law code that it deals with what happens to children in utero, especially children in utero who are killed. And so Old Testament law deals very specifically with this. Before it was political, it is biblical. And so I I understand that there is a lot more latitude for disagreement on political issues first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Listen, if you want to quarantine and you want to wear a mask, uh, I'm I may not think it's the best. I may not think it's the worst. I might, who knows? But like, I can be a lot more flexible on that than I can issues like abortion that the Bible is explicit on. Well, you should be more flexible on that. And that's what we're trying yes. to determine. Is... Yes. Can I be? That's a great question, right? <laughs> yes. That's a good catch. I like that. Yeah. Uh, now, 
if I if I'm dealing with another Christian who would be pro-choice, which I have had many dialogues, I'm also not going to be a jerk. Because at the end of the day, if I believe their position is not biblical, they're not going to change their mind unless they're in a safe relationship and they have the freedom to process. And for most people, movement from where they're at to another uh, theological destination is a process. That is hard for people. I get it. And so when I have conversations with people um, and they're a believer and, and maybe there are some, I'll just say, thoughtless ideas they have that they don't really realize how, how biblically off they are. I tend to be very, very patient um, with those people because I want them to go through the process of changing. Mm. So know what is political first and know what is biblical first. Number two, unity in Christ is far, far more valuable than political agreement. Um, I, I can disagree with you on taxation. I can, I can disagree with you on the border crisis. I can disagree with you on the size of government. I can disagree with you on state rights and federal response. I can disagree with you on all of, this thing, all of these things and still be united with you in Christ, unless my politics is more important to me than the gospel. Hmm. If my politics is more important to me than the gospel, then I will require political agreement, right? and theological agreement and mm. that's that's an unfortunate in order thing. to have a relationship you know right there are people who are no longer friends because they're not on the same political page there's family members that don't even talk to each right. other because they're not on the same political right. page and, and that's just catastrophic yeah yeah that's a good word it is catastrophic uh two more just tips for you understand generational differences so i'm going to hypergeneralize. go back 30 years, and you get a preacher in the pulpit talking about anything pertaining to LGBTQ issues. So what they're going to do almost every time is they're going to preach a sermon. Let's say it's 60 minutes long. And the first 45 minutes of that is going to be truth, maybe the first 50 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes will be compassion. Um, and it'll be compassion, typically, I'm just overgeneralizing, but it's not uncommon. It'd be compassion like God can save you and change you, right? Now, if you are listening to a younger preacher, we'll say under 40, 45, generally preaching today about LGBTQ issues, let's say they have a, an hour-long sermon. They're going to spend the first 40 minutes in empathy, uh, and then they're going to get to a place of truth, but the truth is going to be a much more long-game truth. They're going to clearly delineate, or they should if they're Bible-preaching uh, pastors, teachers, um, but but they're also going to understand that people won't change because of a sermon. They have to go to a safe relationship and have time to process what they're hearing. And it's not uncommon for older people to listen to younger pastors and be like, I think, I think they're going liberal. I think they're losing their brain. Right. Um, but what the younger pastors under, understand about their cultural moment is that people will not listen to you until you listen to them. And until they believe you know their story and you love them, you will have no voice with them. And so the pulpit actually um, is kind of following this model. Like, I want you to know, I want to hear you. I want to hear your story. I want to empathize with you. Um, I also recognize I can't preach a sermon that's going to make you change, um, but I would love to help you process this. And maybe I have something to learn from you in the process as well. That whole approach Completely freaks different. people out. Yep. And, it's a different um, dynamic than like beating you over the head with the Bible. Correct. <laughs> it is, right? But that... But, Maybe we're learning something. Right? You know? So here's the last one. Um, it's very simple. Decide if you want to make a point or make a difference. Just that simple. If you want to make a point, fight, argue, be a jerk, do all that. If you want to make a difference, you're, it's going to require humility, empathy, listening, patience, time, 
keeping the main thing the main thing. And it's a really hard decision for everybody. But especially when we're sitting with someone we love and they say something we feel is stupid or not smart or not thought out, pounce. It, it's, it's a strong temptation. Yeah. Pouncing might make a point, but it won't make a difference. And what I want to do is I want to shepherd people to better ways of thinking. But I also, in that process, want to be a better thinker myself because that is our tradition as followers of Christ. I love that. Well, I think that's very timely input for not just me, but everybody listening. Mm. For next time, though, Mm. um, we are going to be answering the the hard question, why do failures by Christian leaders hurt Christians so badly? 